0: Today is, of course, Ash Wednesday, the beginning of the 40-day season of Lent that prepares us to celebrate with joy the coming festival of Christ's resurrection at Easter. We also know that in addition to being Ash Wednesday, today is also Valentine's Day, something which doesn't happen very often, that there's more. Easter Sunday, as you may or may not know this year, is also on a rather unusual day, April 1st. That is April Fool's Day, no joke. (laughs) So Easter, I learned, last fell on April Fool's Day in the year 1956, and we have to go back even farther to find when both Ash Wednesday fell on Valentine's Day and Easter Sunday fell on April Fool's Day that would be in the year 1945. By calendar coincidence, then, this day of ashes and repentance falls on a day that focuses not as far apart as we might think. Love, if it truly be love, must include repentance. A turning away from self-centered thinking and living, love must be willing to sacrifice. And so we come to the theme for our Lenten journey this year, which is return from exile. That will be the focus for preaching both midweek services as well as weekend worship services. At its core, Lent is all about returning, as the prophet Joel tells us. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Love moves us to repentance and repentance moves us to return. All of us have wandered away from our heavenly father, whether we are conscious of it or not, our sin has put us in a state of exile, away from our heavenly father, away from the joy and the peace and the blessing of life with God. Lent is a call for each of us to return from exile and return to the Lord. And that returning begins today. And so the theme for preaching on this Ash Wednesday evening is heart to heart, sack, cloth and ashes to robes of righteousness. May the leaching and the hearing and the living of his word for Jesus' sake. There's a clothing theme going on here this evening, sackcloth, robes. When it comes to clothing and shopping for clothing, people kind of fall into one of two categories. Either they really enjoy this, they love to go out shopping, or they hate it. And I find myself in the latter of those two categories. I really don't like to go clothes shopping. And when I have to, I just want to get in, get what I need, and get out once again. Clothes are necessary, of course. We have to have them to. The truth is, clothes are also there to cover us up, to cover our nakedness. Think back to the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, and how they disobeyed the Lord God, and they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and in so doing, they discovered suddenly that they were exposed. They were naked, and they were ashamed. And they tried to cover this up by sowing fig leaves together, as we're told in Scripture, the world's first clothes, But you see, they were trying to to cover up their sin. They were trying to cover up their disobedience. They were trying to deceive God. Didn't work then. It doesn't work now. Try as we might to sew our own fig leaves together and hide the truth from God. God is not fooled. So if the desires of our hearts were all exposed and laid bare for the world to see, I believe we would all be quite ashamed. The evil thoughts, the thefts, the murders, the fornications and adulteries, the strife, the jealousy, the anger, the idolatry. It's all there and we can only say with scripture we have all become like one who is unclean a filthy rag that's the condition of what's in here our heart that we seek to hide not only from others but also from God we may indeed hide it from others we may conceal it we may fool others, but we do not fool the Lord, for the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks upon the heart. In ages past, people would put on sackcloth as a sign of repentance and grief. Think great big potato sack rough, itchy, scratchy, and they would sit literally in dust and ashes as a sign, an asara. Out- Within the life of Israel, God's chosen people would express this even further by tearing, ripping their clothing outward sign for inward, turmoil but the prophet joel calls people to do something different he says rend your hearts and not your garments a torn garment only reveals the problem the sorrow that stems from that corrupt and sinful heart but a torn heart a heart that is broken and contrite be the first step toward healing. Our healing from the ravages of sin begins with acknowledging the truth. And that truth is graphically portrayed on our foreheads this night. Remember, you are dust. And to dust we will all return. That's where our return from exile begins. And as somber as this cross of ashes is, let's not lose sight that in fact it is a cross of ashes. Reminding us that the Lord is gracious, abounding in steadfast love. We who can do nothing Have a God who has done everything in our stead for us. The ashes remind us vividly of our sinfulness and our mortality. But ashes in the sign of the cross remind us that we have a God who forgives sin. A God who brings life out of death. They remind us that this God we have did not withhold the life of his only begotten Son, but freely gave him up for us all. The cross, central to our identity as Christian people, always before us in worship, silent witness. But it is and was an instrument of torture and death. But it is the means by which God has given life to the world because it's at the cross that God changed our garments. It's at the cross that Jesus has taken our place, bearing in his body the penalty for our sin and disobedience at the cross, Jesus was stripped of his clothing and was left to hang exposed, naked upon that cross. That is how criminals were crucified, completely naked, to add shame to their execution. Criminal. Jesus, who is without sin, became sin for us. For our sake, God made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We attempt to cover up our sin and our shame and and our nakedness, but at the cross, Jesus exposes it all in himself for you and for me. For surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. He was pierced for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that made us whole, and with his stripes we are healed this gracious and merciful god has offered up the life of his only begotten son so that the sin which has exiled us might be purged that we might be cleansed that we might be restored this is where our return from exile begins But where does it end? Our return from exile doesn't end with sackcloth and ashes, with sin and shame. Our return to the Father through Jesus our Savior ends with this glorious, as John records it, after this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. Then one of the elders addressed me saying, who are these clothed in White robes, and where have they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. No fig leaves or sackcloth here. No filthy rags, no ashes in sight. Only what have been washed clean in the blood of the Lamb. That staining agent that we have to soak as soon as it gets into clothing here on earth becomes something which cleanses us from all sin. And it begins with that garment that we've been given in holy baptism. During this Lenten season, our baptismal font is relocated from its usual place up front to the back of the sanctuary to remind us all that it is in holy baptism. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit, that Jesus has taken our filthy, tattered garments stained by sin and bestowed on us his own robe of righteousness. And so, my friends, on this Ash Wednesday, as our Lenten journey begins, we begin our return from exile, keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus The author and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, scorning the shame and of the throne of God. Thanks be to God. Amen.